I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your normal author of the Thoughts on Money blog, but not today. Uh, none other than Mr. Blaine Carver is sitting in on the podcast and the author of today's article. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You'll have to do all the talking because I am super nasally. Uh, <laughs> there's not one person in my house that doesn't have a cough right now. So I yeah. guess it's going around. Well, sorry to hear that, Trevor. Well, uh, yeah, today's article was it was fun to write and I'm excited to do the podcast. It's something I'm passionate about and it's talking about really integrating the puzzle pieces, if you will. Um, and so I, I start off um, giving this illustration of, of a puzzle. A puzzle. You know, it's, it's Christmas time. Maybe your kids or maybe you get a, a, a 1,000 piece puzzle for Are you for a puzzle Christmas. guy? I'm actually not a puzzle guy. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's the funny thing. But uh, I thought of this illustration and I, I thought it made sense. But um, you, you get a box of, you know, let's say 1,000 pieces, okay? And you, you clear the table, you set out all the pieces, and it's, it's chaos when you just set the pieces out by itself. So what do you have to do to kind of have a vision of, of what it's going to look like? You take the cover of the box and you, you study that. You study the cover of the box to understand what the end goal is supposed to be like. And only then can you start to put the puzzle pieces together. Otherwise, you're, you're piecing, you know, puzzle piece eight, 898 versus 112 and they just don't fit. So I wonder if puzzlers are a dying generation because I feel like that takes extreme patience. Like I'm thinking right now, you can give me a box cover. You can give me instructions. You can give me a YouTube video. I don't think I could build a thousand pieces. I'm with you. I'm with you. I could you. do the four corners. I could find yeah. those, and that would probably be the extent. Yeah, I, I was. It's funny. I was thinking about this, uh, and I was thinking, there's no way I would do a puzzle in this stage of life because you have three young kids, Trevor. I also have three young kids. If we tried to put a puzzle <laughs> on any you know dining table or, or surface of our house, it would be destroyed. In, My daughter in would be chewing one of those yes. pieces. <laughs> but I think where you're going with that is this idea that there's, in finance, right, there's, there's parts. There's a lot of parts. And you see a lot of people that miss one really important thing, mm-hmm. which I think you're going to touch on, is this idea of integration, yeah. is how these parts impact each other. But the only way to understand integration is to basically step back and create a box cover um, to be able to map out what I think you're going to call a financial plan. Mm-hmm. And then everything is subordinated to that financial plan. The, all the pieces are intended to build that picture. And if something comes up that's not aligned with that picture, then it doesn't belong in the puzzle box. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. If we don't create a plan, I think we make decisions that don't align with our end goals. And so it could be any number of things. It could be, do I take social security early or should I do a Roth conversion or uh, do I, do I uh, invest in this stock? Uh, you know, it's, it's Christmas time. We have lots of cocktail parties and you're talking to maybe doing a lot of small talk with, with people you haven't connected with in a while. They learn that we're financial advisors and, and they ask us some of these questions. Hide. Exactly. It's it's hard because we desire to help, we desire to serve, we desire to answer their questions, satisfy their curiosities, but we can't give a, a sufficient answer if we don't know the full context. And without a plan, we, we uh, you know, it's it's insufficient. It always comes with a disclaimer of what they know you can't do, mm-hmm. but then they still ask questions. Hey, Blaine, <laughs> like I know you can't just pick some wild stock that you would encourage me to invest in, but <laughs> if you were going to, yep. like, oh, pass the gravy. You know what yeah, I mean? So, exactly. 
Um, so maybe for our listeners, because that word financial plan is used so much, mm-hmm. maybe you can unpack what does that actually look like? Yeah. Like, I'm not a huge fan. You use it, the word once in, in your article. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm not a huge fan of the word holistic because mm-hmm. I think it's lost its meaning, right? Mm-hmm. So many people use it as like a buzzword. Mm-hmm. But maybe for our listeners, you could say, hey, what does a financial plan look like for somebody that is nearing retirement and is in some planning, but maybe not sufficient in, in your mind? Mm-hmm. Or maybe somebody brand new to investing. What is a financial plan? Yeah. So I first want to step back and, and just recognize that this term financial plan can uh, create anxiety in people, uh, especially those who aren't numbers oriented or who aren't, who don't maybe have a background in finance. Um, what I don't mean is not everybody has to create this huge, robust 60 page plan with estate planning and investment planning and taxes. Not everybody has to do that. That's what we do here uh, because it's, it's our business. But my, my hope with this article and the podcast is just that listeners or readers would just take a little step towards a little bit more intentionality. I, I think that's my ultimate goal. But let's say somebody here creates a 60 mm-hmm. page financial plan, yeah. right? Is that a finish line? No, absolutely not. Okay. So, so what is a financial plan? Yeah. So a financial plan, you use the example of somebody uh, about ready to retire. Mm-hmm. And, and we get a lot of people that are interested in talking to us when they near retirement, or at least are getting closer to retirement. So what that would look like is your first just getting organized. I would say that's kind of the first step. And so you understand what the client's goals are. Uh, it could be three goals, could be 10 goals, uh, but you understand where they're What would be a goal? Go. Like an example. Yeah. So a goal might be, I want to create, uh, I want to live off $12,000 of income per month in retirement, or I want to be able to give uh, 150000 to each grandkid for college. Or, um, so it sounds like these goals have some specificity to them. Yes. Later on, you're going to talk about like, what's your why? Mm-hmm. So when does that come up? Because yeah. I, I feel like there's this, in our industry, there, when we talk about financial planning, there's this quantifiable side. Yeah. And then there's this like deeper lay down on the couch, tell me about your childhood and your yeah. like, greatest dreams. So how does that integrate? Yeah. I think it's the most important thing. Um, it's it's hard to get there on the first conversation. Um, but over time you start to, to develop your why, but I think all of us need to, we need to sit down and have, you know, an intentional either conversation or, a, um, uh, just at the time to be intentional and think through what is my, my why is in, in this context, what is my why with money? Um, so, you know, is my money designed to, uh, give me peace of mind through retirement or is my money designed to bless my kids and grandkids is my money designed, you know, should I be a steward and honor God if you're religious? Um, so those are kind of some of the whys that you get to. What's your why when it comes to money? Yeah, if my why when it comes to money, um, I, I do believe I'm a steward and, and that money is not mine. And so I believe that money is, it's a tool. Um, it's a tool to um, provide for yourself and your family, but also to bless others. And so um, if if there's abundance or you know, um, if I'm blessed with something over that which I need, then I, I hope to to bless others with that. So that's a good concept. So you're you're basically talking about stewardship, mm-hmm. right? And this this concept that in your heart you you feel like you're stewarding God's money, right? Yeah. That, I think that's what you're yeah. describing. Mm-hmm. And and you're saying that when there's abundance, 
you want to be generous or yes. like, how do you nail down? Is your why a one sentence? You could put it in one sentence. It's probably going to have a lot more context, a lot more meaning to the individual person. I'm asking these questions because I don't know what my why is. I haven't thought yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think ultimately, if, if I could have all my clients write a one or two or three sentence like vision for like what is money for and why, why do I do the things I do every day, um, I think that would be helpful before building the actual nuts and bolts of the financial plan. Got it. So there's this kind of DNA thing. How are you mm-hmm. wired? What makes your heart sing? Mm-hmm. And then once you get that part, right, it, that like kind of, it sounds like it threads through the whole quote unquote financial plan. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mechanics of just like lifestyle, yeah. income, risk tolerance. Is that, is that right? Or? Yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, we're often hired to do is those mechanics and nuts and bolts and, and building, you know, I mentioned the article, but I think something very important is just building a basic balance sheet. And most people I talk to have not done that. So that's just simply listing on one sheet, your assets and liabilities. Um, and it's often an eye opener for clients because they have maybe 10 or 12 things, accounts or pensions or, or different financial items that are all over the place. And they've never actually looked at it in one place. And one, it provides clarity, which negates confusion because I, I see a lot of people, they're just confused. They, they don't understand how their pension interacts with their Roth versus their taxable account. There's just a lot of confusion. So I think putting in, in one sheet um, helps clarify that. But then the second thing, it allows either that individual, if they're more DIY, or it allows a professional to kind of assess where they currently stand. I really like that you started there. Because I think even working in the industry, I can get disconnected from that. And as Mm -hmm. you're saying it, I'm like, huh, like this week, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to do the one page balance sheet. And then the second one that I think is really, really important is how closely can you estimate your income and expenses? Yes. And I think if you get through those three steps, you're probably like ahead of 80% of the people. Absolutely. Because life is busy and there's so many things going on. So it sounds like what you're talking about at the beginning stages of this journey that we're calling financial planning Mm -hmm. is you you have an awareness. What are my resources? And I don't have a better word. I guess it's cash flow, right? Sure. What do my income and expenses look like? Mm -hmm. So then you could say, hey, here's my why. Here's my balance sheet. Here's my income and expenses. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can kind of assess the viability of some of those mechanical goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I gave an example in the article. Uh, I, I worked with a lot of Boeing engineers, managers, executives um, in my first, uh, first job out of college. And Boeing was a very generous employer. They, I believe they still are. But at the time, they had a very generous pension benefit along with 401k matching, things like that. But the, the pension benefit was interesting because we got a lot of prospects that would come in and they would, they would have a single question that they really wanted answered. And that was, should I take my pension now? Should I wait to take my pension? Or should I take the lump sum option? Which meant they could roll over a, usually a significant sum to an IRA. That was kind of the, the thing that they wanted answered. However, we can't answer that question without understanding all the various pieces. So things like, their taxes, things like um, their life expectancy, things like uh, when are they planning to take Social Security, their desire to support their spouse if they were to pass away early. 
So that, that's where the, the puzzle analogy comes in. And there's all these various pieces that it seems like it's easy to answer that question, but it, it's a domino effect. Cash flow is going to affect taxes, which, is, which affects estate planning, et cetera. For me, it feels like it relates to medical because because life feels so busy a lot of the time when I have ailments, like my little cough right now, mm-hmm. I want somebody to just give me like the easiest answer. Take this. You know what I mean? But sometimes if you go in, they're like, like family history and questions and x-rays and this. And it's like uh, all these steps. I'm like, can't you like, I, like I want to take the, the shortcut and just mm-hmm. search online and say, oh, I, I think I have this. I'll take I'll take that. I love that uh, comparison. Uh, I'm with you there, Trevor. You made one analogy. This is totally off topic, but it it stood out to me in here. When you were talking about puzzles, you're talking about the world record for the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I, I That's like unbelievable to me. Was it three seconds? 3.13 <laughs> seconds by a California native. I had to look that up. <laughs> I don't even understand how you could, like when they create that world record, mm. like how mixed up does the Rubik's Cube have to be? I'm not a Rubik's Cube guy, but I, I would imagine it's pretty much randomized. And I have seen some videos, and I mentioned this in the article, but they they get a, a, an allotted amount of time to actually look at the cube. Okay, oh. so, so it's not like they're blindfolded and all of a sudden the timer starts. Yeah. They get, I don't know, maybe one or two minutes. And you watch them, I, I think they can pick it up. And they're moving it in their hands and they're studying it. And they're seeing, okay, row one interacts with column two this way. And then they set it down and then the timer starts. And then these guys are just geniuses and they can, they can do it in a few seconds. Wild little subculture. I think I've seen one of them <laughs> juggling. Have you seen that before? No, uh-uh. I think he juggles three Rubik's Cubes while solving them at the same time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Next level genius. But it does... It does relate well when we talk about finances because finances, this sounds like I can't say this, but finances can be simple and complex at the same mm-hmm. time, right? So like any of us, normal people, walk up to a Rubik's Cube, we're like, it's complex, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't actually know where to move everything. But in a sense, it's also pretty simple, mm-hmm. right? However many sides it has, one, two, three, four, five, six, right? Is it? Yeah, right? One, nine, two, nine, three, right? four, five. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how to figure this out. How many sides it has. Um, but it's just colored sides, right? Yeah. So there's the simple side of it, but then there's the complexity of, of how do you actually engineer this thing to get to the destination you want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but just intentionality and, and being proactive, uh, setting a plan allows you to be proactive, not reactive. So when I think about this, if somebody's like, okay, Blaine, you've convinced me, start with a plan. Okay, now I've got to sit down and I've got to make a balance sheet. So I'm going to list out my resources, my house, my savings account, my 401k, and then I have some liabilities, right? Some credit card debt. Okay, cool. So I I grabbed a legal pad. I wrote that all down. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to go through my credit card statements for the last six months and I'm going to get a general idea of what I spend. I'm going to go grab my pay stub and see what my income is. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Now I've gotten to that stage of awareness. Wrote down my income, wrote down my expenses. Those line up, right? Mm-hmm. If there's leftovers, I can tell where they end up mm-hmm. on my balance sheet and now I have a balance sheet. How do I start thinking what my goals are? And here's why I'm asking that. Because if you start talking to me about retirement, mm-hmm. right? Like what if I never want to retire? What if I love being engaged in work? So how do I then define what my goal is? 
your goal might not be to save for retirement or at least not aggressively. If you have this desire to, to work forever, maybe you don't need to max out your 401k um, because you, you can run the plan and show that, hey, if you work till 80 years old, you probably don't need to max the 401k. So here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. I've described a desire, but what about the, the need side? Because I've come across a lot of people where I think I'm in the same wavelength as you. Like, okay, if that's not your goal mm-hmm. to be having a pina colada on the beach at age 65, fair enough, mm-hmm. right? But you went back to stewardship. So if I'm talking to somebody that's, I don't know, a 40-something and, and they have a, a handful of kids and they have some responsibilities, I am going to encourage that person. And everybody knows, like, I use insurance like a key, like Mm -hmm. when it fits in the door and it makes sense, I want to open it, Mm -hmm. but I I don't like excessive insurance, right? But for that person, I'm usually looking at what does disability insurance look like? Mm -hmm. What is life insurance? Those aren't topics that I'm like super excited to talk about, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying, hey, your family relies on you. Therefore, like those two checkboxes, I think become pretty high priority. Mm -hmm. But that has nothing to do with the person's why or the person's Mm -hmm. it could you know maybe it doesn't have much to do with a goal they would tell me yeah that's more just like risk mitigation yeah i I would maybe argue that that could be part of a goal it's often not uh, stated to us but like protection of family you know maybe the client doesn't say that's a, a why or a goal but that's almost anybody that's a parent you know protection provision for family would would be one of their goals and i would say insurance as an example is one of those things that would fall into that bucket so steve jobs used to say they asked him like hey do you do focus groups for like figuring out what your customer wants and he's like no they want a lighter, faster phone. Like I I don't need to hear from them. I'm going to tell them what they want, right? Mm -hmm. So in that vein, are you doing that sometimes as an advisor, basically helping somebody extract goals from, you know, like because they they can't articulate themselves. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where we do have to get the basics, things like balance sheet and statements and insurance to understand the picture and get a little bit of context. I always like to ask clients what they do for work and, you know, their stage of life and their kids. You get you start to get this, you paint this picture in your mind as an advisor. And Trevor, you and I have done hundreds, maybe thousands of financial plans or, or, or at least talked to many hundreds of people. And so you you start to write down or, or just have in your mind these um, these ideas of, of maybe how you can provide value and... Um, you know, it could be insurance, it could be investments, it could be um, cash flow, any number of things. Now, if somebody, you kind of mentioned your article, but if somebody comes up to the fork in the road and they're like, do I want to hire Blaine or Bob? Do I want to hire Bob or do I want to do this on my own? Like, what should that person be thinking? What are the, the important questions to ask, the things to be thoughtful of? Like if you're in that fork in the road of like, am I going to delegate this mm-hmm. or am I going to direct this myself? Some people are naturally do-it-yourselfers and, and that's just fine. Um, I mentioned in the article that there's different spheres of your financial life. And so you could be a DIYer for the investment side of things, but maybe you own a business, your tax situation is a little complicated, you need a CPA. And so that's where if you have the balance sheet, you're kind of looking at it, you're deciding, hey, I can, I can DIY for the investments. I need a professional for the 
uh, for my taxes. The, the point I'm trying to make in the article is that they all need to be coordinated. They all need to be integrated. And so your CPA should be aware of your investment strategy. Um, if you're not a DIYer and you hire an investment manager, that investment manager should be coordinating with the CPA. That investment manager should be coordinating with the estate attorney because there's ramifications. So You know what's so important? So I've been interacting with CPAs this week because they're doing Q4 tax planning, mm-hmm. right? And they're asking for, hey, can you give me year-to-date dividends and year-to-date capital gains so mm-hmm. I can start doing this work, right? So I started sending a couple, and then I was like, wait, time out. You know what I'm going to say? You don't know what I'm going to say. No. Time out. Because the capital gain information I'm giving you right now, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to do tax loss harvesting in one week. Yep. And for some of the clients I'm thinking of, all those capital gains are erased. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're not going to get into the concept of tax loss harvesting, yeah. but you can look it up. But, but basically, your portfolio could absolutely be positive on a year, and then you could end with a tax loss. Right? So there's a, there's a strategy in there. So it made me... In the heart of integration, mm-hmm. right? The heart of, of holistic, the word I don't like to use, <laughs> but to say time out. And it was, it was bad on me. Like I had to remember that, but I, I was like telling two or three CPAs, like scratch that, get back to me next week because a lot of this is going to change. Now that's not going to necessarily hurt somebody, right? It could cause them to, to overpay, mm-hmm. but then it's just going to get reconciled in April. But if you want to be a little bit more precise that part's really important. So that gets to your concept of if the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, it can cause a little bit of trouble. Yeah, it gets to the concept of having a financial quarterback. If you are outsourcing you know, some of your financial life, having a financial quarterback or a financial CFO, whatever term you want to use, is important. Somebody that knows in depth your situation, they might not be doing every single aspect of it. You know, That financial quarterback, you know, it's usually an advisor, they might be outsourcing the, you know, doing the taxes to a CPA, obviously, the estate planning to an attorney, et cetera. But as long as that person knows the whole picture, that's so helpful for the client so that there's not these blind spots, especially at the end of the year. You gave a perfect example, Trevor. I think one of the benefits I would describe if you're at that fork in the road of like, am I going to direct it myself or am I going to delegate it? Is if you're working with a financial advisor that has experience, Right they are a lot less intimidated by some of these financial planning aspects. I just think of like a gymnast, like in whatever routine they're doing, they get on the floor and they know it, right? They, they've practiced, they understand how to do whatever, they balance beam, whatever, like they're really comfortable with it. But if you've never done that before, you might be able to get through something, but you're doing it with like a high level of anxiety mm-hmm. and uncertainty so there is, I, I love making that analogy of the safari guide. I do it a lot. Mm. Basically where I tell somebody, hey, if both of us were dropped in South Africa right now, there's no way you should ever allow me to take you out in a Jeep to show you some lions, right? You should be scared to death, right? I would not be the appropriate person. Mm-hmm. But that anxiety or that fear or that uncomfortability completely goes away if you have a real safari guide, right? You find yourself... 10 feet away from a lion uh, eating an antelope and you're just like totally normal, completely comfortable. So that would be my hope is that when somebody resources an advisor, the right advisor, I guess, that that comfort would be present when they're with somebody that has experience doing these planning items. Mm -hmm. I I would say, I'd have to think about it more, 
But for me, that'd be like in my top five of like, here's one of the biggest benefits I would see. Yeah. Well, it gets to what, what clients are really after. And I'm just going to quote from the article, moving from confusion to clarity, from anxiety to peace, from fear to confidence. I think that's at the heart of what really Who wrote that. That's beautiful. Oh man. Well, thanks Trevor. <laughs> Yours truly. As we're beginning to close, I'll, I'm going to quote uh, Stephen Covey, who's the author of Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And it's not really a quote, but it's just his second habit of the seven. It's begin with the end in mind. This idea that look to where you want to go, to who you want to be, to what your financial life is. Uh, your desires for your financial life 10, 20, 30 years from now, and then start kind of reverse engineering. What do I need to do today to get there? Part of that is putting the whole picture together, integrating all the pieces. There's a Yogi Berra quote in there. I don't remember what it is, but it's something like, if you don't know where you're going, you'll definitely get there. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned, I didn't know it was Yogi Berra. That's that's cool. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. Somebody's going to have to uh, correct me and then email me. I I did feel like it was a a, a quote on the internet when I wrote it, but um, yeah, basically I said, if you don't know where you stand today, um, you won't be able to get to where you want to go. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this. And I like this idea. I love that word clarity, mm. right? It's such a challenge as a teacher, as an advice giver, as a mentor, as a discipler, right? Is how do I create clarity mm-hmm. and clarity right alongside being succinct are things I'm like, oh, I desire to be that. You know, it's uh, it's difficult, but it's a good desire. So with that said, any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? We've we've summarized what I wanted to share with clients. By there. this time, Sean Latimer's like looking at his phone every 30 seconds and giving me the look like, hey, let's close this thing out. So we will do that. We will ask that you rate the podcast. Five stars are preferred. If you want to get a hold of Blaine or myself, Trevor, and you want to give us that Yogi Bear quote, you can get a hold of us at Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsergroup.com. We appreciate any feedback, comments, jokes, questions. Uh, we're here to be a resource. Uh, most importantly, we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. money. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice.
This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.